Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. Man, it seems like the news keeps on pumping out this week. Uh, if you guys are watching on YouTube, we did full coverage on the podcast. Uh, the news was coming so fast that we weren't even able to put up a lot of YouTube videos. Um, but this one will be up on both times. But if you want to hear a little bit more about our Ryan polls, I almost said Ryan Pace hiring thoughts, uh, go ahead and check that out there. But today... Man, the Bears have their head coach, and I know this was something that me and you just wanted to end, and it's finally came to its end. So, Reese, uh, first thoughts on the Matt Eberflus hire? Yeah, you know, I have to say that I'm content with it. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily disappointed. Uh, I said to you right before we started recording that I think I have enough faith faith in Ryan Poles um, that you know I think that he would make the proper decision. Um, it gives me some kind of faith too, as well. Um, just that he conducted the interviews one-on-one, you know, made it seem like there wasn't really too much outside influence. They really just kind of went, you know, head first and, and allowed, you know, Ryan Poles to make the decision that he wanted, at least seemingly. That's the way the optics of it um, look to be right now. Um, but it, I have to say that, you know, would I have liked someone that has, you know, more of an offensive side to them, um, someone that was you know, going to bring some kind of new spice on the offensive side of the ball um, to, to go along with Justin Fields. I think that, you know, outside of those components, basically, I just think they picked someone on the wrong side of the ball. But I think Matt Eberflus, I think that he can do good things for this team. I don't think that it's a disaster scenario at all. It's not Leslie Frazier, that's for sure. Um, so that, Thank God. that's a small... He might be heading to New York, though, so prayers for you guys if you get him. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, you know, but overall, yeah, I have to say I'm fairly happy with it. I think a lot really kind of weighs in on, you know, what assistance he brings in, um, you know, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That's that's going to be, you know, the most important decision as far as he makes on his staff. But of course, on the defensive side of the ball as well. And I just don't know kind of what kind of connections he has in that vein, you know, since mm-hmm. he hasn't been a head coach really anywhere else. Um, this is his first head coaching experience that's going to come in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure where he can source out from, um, but I think that they got someone that at least has the right mentality um, for the job. And I think when you look back to uh, at what George McCaskey said, I think he ultimately picked the coach that was going to give him that kind of little six word vision um, where he was like, I want a mm-hmm. team that's, you know, physical, smart, you know, opportunistic. Um, and to me, it seems like that that kind of mold was fit. Um, not that that should be any more reassuring, though, coming from George. <laughs> Let me tell you, I I was throughout this search completely biased towards offensive coaches. Um, if if I wanted a defensive coach, Matt Eberflus would be like my guy. Him or Brian Flores would be like my guys here. Um, but I, I more so wanted an offensive coach, and I'll admit that. That being said, this crop really did not have a lot of good head coaches. Uh, It really did not have a lot of good head coach candidates. Um, And I think that the best head coach out of this crop was going to come from a more unique choice. Kind of something more so like uh, the Lions coach that they have down there, Dan Campbell. Um, You know, kind of getting a guy that's more so a true head coach versus a you know, offensive or defensive guy. Obviously, Matty Rufus runs an extremely good defensive scheme, and we'll get into that for a little bit. But I think that the number one reason why Matt Eberflus was chosen was not because he's a defensive head coach, because we don't really need too much help on defense. I think they just really liked his detailed orientedness, his aggressiveness, um, his passion for the game, and his work ethic. 
Uh, that these were all things, and and a lot of people that have been around Matt Eberflus say that he's going to be a tremendous head coach. They compare him a lot to Sean McDermott uh, with the Buffalo Bills, and you know I could see that kind of being the case. I think that oftentimes we forget that it is very different being a coordinator than a head coach. And I, I think that's ultimately where Matt Nagy failed is that he was never able to become a good head coach, even if he was a decent coordinator. Um, and because there's so many more responsibilities that go along with it. Um, I don't necessarily think that this is going to be bad for the offense either. Uh, I, I think that there's this like weird thing where it's like, oh, even if we get a good offensive coordinator, they're going to get poached. Well, you have to have a good offense first. <laughs> so <laughs> well, so that, that, that's the huge question there already. That's a fair point. And I think, too, you can even make the, the case, um, you know, what is it? Tom Brady spoke on how having Bill Belichick, who is a defensive minded coach. Um, help them better understand defenses, which is half the battle on the offense, you know, especially, um, you know, for a quarterback to be able to understand the defense that he's seeing, it can be extremely helpful. <laughs> and that's something mm-hmm. that at times fields this past year really kind of lack with at times. I think sometimes he wasn't able to fully read the defense. Um, and it's just one of those things that he can improve on. But once he takes that next step, I think that, you know, that would be a, a huge advantage for him, and he'll be able to use his skills even further. Um, so I think there's certainly some some help that comes in from having someone that's more defensive-minded, um, even if it's not directly on the offense. I think what the plan here truly with Iberflus is to have him not only be kind of that head coach leadership guy, but I think the, a big reason why Ryan Poles was so confident with going with him is that, A, he's more of an innovative guy, so he's probably going to be picking some more innovative offense coordinators. I know there's already rumors that he's going to look in-depthly at the Shanahan tree uh, and the Reed tree to pick his offense coordinator. So he's not like, for instance, like a John Fox who's like, I'm a defensive coach. We're going to play old school ground and pound football. You know, we're going to get a guy who knows how to run the ball. We're going to get Jordan Howard and we're just going to run. Trubisky's going to throw 10 times a game. No, that's not That's not at all what he refluses offenses are going to be like uh they they are going to be more innovative and he i have a lot of faith that he's going to be able to uh pick a good quality coach um in order to kind of take on that head coach of the offense role um another thing that i wanted to mention with Eberflus is that not only that but with polls being such an offensive drafting guy with the chiefs i think polls feels confident that he could supply the offense with enough talent that it can maybe uh, overcome an issue of having to turn over some coordinators frequently. Yeah, and that's certainly a possibility. I think, too, I think there's this weird kind of reputation that comes with being like the ground and pound teams. I think it's because even the successful teams in the league are doing it. They, they still have their faults, you know, right now, like the Tennessee Titans mm-hmm. uh, case in point. Obviously, you know, their passing game is, is an incredible issue, and Ryan Tannehill hasn't quite lived up to what he did a couple of years back. Um, but I, I think that, you know, we don't need to have Justin Fields throwing the ball 50 times a game, you know, at, at mm-hmm. least, at least 30, you know, 35, at least I want him to be involved in the offense. But if we're, you know, giving uh, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert more touches, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for this offense, um, especially coming from the running game. Um, so I, I think that there's certainly, you know, 
have Justin Fields, he can throw the ball 50 times if he needs to. Um, but I, I think that it'd be a good step forward to to just kind of be more balanced. Um, I think Matt Nagy tried to do a, a lot, um, so, uh, so much to a fault where it almost it didn't even work in the passing game. And I think if there there is a little bit of not necessarily getting back to basics, but doing the logical thing, you know, if it, if it's setting up the play action, I mean, that's something that's going to work in very well um, with this team. People have been calling for a long time. And that's because Justin Fields is good at throwing the football deep. Um, so the more chances we can give him with time back there, which is another thing, Ryan Poles, I think Eberflus, um, you know, well, Eberflus maybe hasn't always had elite talent that he was working with on the defensive front. I think they're both two, um, two football minded people that really believe in the strength of, you know, loading up the lines on each side of the football, uh, yeah. bringing the physical side to the game, um, which, you know, when you're a, a football team like Chicago bears that has some promising players in some places, but maybe doesn't have the talent to keep up with some other teams, um, being physical is a good way to kind of narrow down that gap. One of the main things that I think that the, uh, well, obviously McCaskey and then, uh, Bill Polian and everyone looked out is really having an identity for how you want your team to be. Matt Nagy never found his identity on offense or even at times on defense. I think you could argue after Vic Fangio left, there was no identity. And that's a big reason why Ibraflus became the guy is because one of the first things in Ryan Pohl's statement announcing the hiring, he said, Matt understands exactly how he wants his team to be. Essentially, that's obviously he didn't say it exactly like that. He's a little bit more well-spoken through than I am. But <laughs> uh, he, he said that Matt has an identity for the team, essentially. Uh, he And he, he's, he has a good plan to building uh, a team that could, you know, consistently compete for championships. One thing that I want to kind of push back on is this idea that by hiring Eberflus, we aren't going to be able to develop fields. I, I think that I understand the thought process. Ideally, you want to get a guy, of course, like Sean McVay, who can just build a perfect scheme around him where it's easy to execute and he can really get the most out of his players. I don't know if uh, there is, let me just say this, there isn't a Sean McVay in this uh, coaching crop. It it really was a little bit more limited than it has been in the past. And, and that's all right. Listen, the one good thing about hiring a defensive head coach is that if the offense isn't working, you can turn it over real quickly. Unlike when we hired Matt Nagy and had to sit there through four years of terrible offense, having a defensive head coach, while yes, it may be a concern if they can't, uh, if the offense becomes really good and then you get your coordinator poached, you can also have a lot more turnover on that side of the ball, which could be potentially beneficial. If your offense isn't good, no one's going to be poaching your offensive coordinator. So let's first understand that if we get an offensive coordinator poached from this team, that means that Eberflus has done something right. Yeah. And I think too, there needs to be a fair bit of compromise though as well. I think that um, the fact that Eberflus has that identity built out, I think is great. Um, But I think, you know, some of the the faults of the past regimes have been, they've been so stuck in their ways that they also have failed to take a step back and maybe see what's not working, even if that's what their ideal vision was. Um, which, you know, I think that, like you said, with being able to move in different assistants, especially on the offensive side of the ball, if the offensive vision isn't working, you can kind of pivot and get out of it. Um, you know, overall, though, like in the NFL, people need to realize 
there's no, and for football in general, there's no one pathway to success. You can win football games in a lot of different ways. Um, it's really inherently just understanding, especially if you're a team that has a strong identity, you know, like offensive, for example, if you're known for being a very pass heavy team or a very run heavy team, you have to understand the weaknesses that come with that. So I really just hope we have a more uh, cognizant coaching staff that, you know, also can, can self, uh, evaluate, you know, um, and it, it, it seems like from like, to me, uh, so far from what I heard about, you know, Matt Eberflus is that, you know, he's someone that is introspective like that. Um, and really does try to elevate and get the most out of his players that he has. Um, so hopefully that continues as he kind of takes this next step and, and, you know, I think having that good vision is strong, but I think there also needs to be some reality built into that as well. Certainly. And hopefully that's what we get. And, you know, I think that we should just be happy because we've seen this complete organizational makeover. And to me, there's a lot of pieces here that are correct. I think Ryan Poles was the right guy to hire. Eberflus is going to build damn good defense. I can reassure you that. Uh, Eberflus Hopefully. Is build. I mean, I'm still not 100% sold, man. Like, honestly, I'm just not. Um, and, and it's just, I don't know his defense in and out. You know, I would be lying if I said that I've watched even multiple Colts games this past year, you know, a couple, but, mm-hmm. or, you know, no more than two. Um, but at the same time, at least from what I know, they're really leaning on the cover too, um, getting a little passive and soft late in games. I know that there certainly were some gripes from Colts fans at some points in the season. And I've even seen, you know, have a little bit of patience with them because he might make you frustrated at times, but in the end, it'll be worth it. Um, so, yeah, like once again, like I said, there's no one true path, but, you know, I'm not the biggest, you know, just drop back and cover two and, and, you know, let him eat. But it is that one. reminds me of that reminds me of someone named Vic Fangio who we used to have that used to also get a little bit passive in the end of games and it used to drive me a little bit crazy but at the end of the day he got the job done listen Iberflus is going to have a really good defensive scheme he the, the 2020 Colts defense was quite frankly incredible and they went 11 and 11 and 6 because of that defense when they had Philip Rivers doing almost everything he possibly could to make them lose a game, which is incredible. <laughs> this year, they also won mostly in spite of their offense, uh, but because of their defense. Uh, he has done such a great job, not only putting together a good defense, but developing players. All the uh, Most of the players on that Colts defense were just late-round draft picks, not super flashy names, and a lot of them became pro bowlers under Eberflus. Um Listen, I the one thing that I'm not super concerned of, unless he hires someone like Lovey Smith, which would be the dumbest thing in the world. I don't know why fans want that. Um, is I, I'm not going to be concerned about Iberflus's defenses. I think he's going to put together a damn good defense. Yeah, and at least with the parts that are still here right now, I mean, we can anticipate some of them that are already leaving, like Akeem Hicks. You know, might mm-hmm. as well be off the roster right now. He did, didn't even show up to the last game, so <laughs> I, yeah. I think I think he's you know very much done. Um, but even still, you know, there's going to be the edge is still going to be very strong. Um, and, and like I mentioned before, you know, probably the best edge rushers he's ever worked with. Um, so he's going to you know feel a little bit you know pretty happy with his situation and and, and that right. So. I think that overall he's going to have the pieces to work with and it's going to be tough to, to not make it execute well, at least at first, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. 
so I, I guess I want to ask, how did this guy end up ranking in your, uh, as far as how you rank the Bears finalists for head coach? Because for me, Iberflus was the top guy. And I think you said it was for you, yeah, too. I, I, yeah, for the finalist, yeah. I mean, I, I would have had to say um, it, it would have been Iberflus. And I, I think I said that yeah, the last time we recorded as well. Um, and then I think it probably went Quinn and Caldwell after that. But I know that Caldwell seemed to have interviewed well and made a, a good impression. Um, which, honestly, it's interesting, especially if we work off the assumption that Ryan Poles um, was really ultimately the peop- the person that selected those last three. The vision is interesting, you know, because none of those mm-hmm. other than Jim Caldwell um, really kind of just scream offensive side of the ball. You know, I, I think yeah. that speaks to what you said earlier as far as far as just trying to find the right type of guy. I don't think it was a specific offensive de- defensive skill set. It was finding the person that was going to just create the culture, the actual winning culture mm-hmm. that this team has been starving for for quite some time now. And having a vision of how he wants his team to be. Because that was the thing is, like, I think Fox, when he was hired, I don't know if he necessarily lacked the leadership skills. More so, I think he just didn't have an up-to-date vision of the type of overall team that he wanted to be. Um, Another thing that I wanted to bring up that I I don't really understand the criticism. A lot of people mad that we didn't get a head coach with previous head coaching experience. And for me, it's like, yeah, I guess you can say that those guys learned from that experience, but more so, you have to also remember that there was a reason why those guys got fired. Well, but we were just talking about in the last podcast how it's okay because retreads sometimes do better on their second stint. They, and it's not even talking yeah. about just at the professional level. It's like Matt Eberflus has never been a head coach, I think, at any level. I think Dan Quinn I would have been a little bit more okay with, but someone like a Jim Caldwell... If it hasn't worked two times, odds are it's probably not going to work the third time. That being said, yes, there, there, there can't, there are some people. I mean, obviously, guys like you know Bill Belichick, uh, some really high-end coaches have been retreads. But there's also a ton of high-end coaches that aren't. You know, uh, yeah, but Sean Payton, okay. Mike Tomlin. Yeah, Tom- uh, I mean Tomlin. Oh, you're not a huge Tomlin yeah, guy. I don't know. I- I've never understood all the hype. Sean McVay. Uh, Other than the fact to... that he's just been able to hold the coaching position for as long as I can remember, except like the couple years that I remember Cower being there. But Yeah. Andy Andy Reid had a very successful first stint. I know he ended up going to the Chiefs after yeah. that, but he was there for, what, 13 years or something like that crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think – for as much as you can say that it's a bad thing, I think you can also look at it as a positive. Like this guy has also like, you don't, it's a little, I've almost like, I felt like with Caldwell, the best thing about Caldwell is he would have added stability to the offense. I don't know how great we would have been, but it would have been stable for sure. Um, But I never really felt like he could reach us to that upper echelon. Dan Quinn had potentially could have had that. Because he took a team to the Super Bowl, even though you give credit to, you know, Kyle Shanahan. Um, even the following year, he he did well. He did good too. Um, but I, I think I like that with Eberflus is kind of more of an unknown, personally. Yeah, we just don't know if he can run the whole show, though. I mean, like he just you can't even say with any confidence. And you know, yeah. stepping up from the coordinator to the head coach is it, it's 
I mean, it's not impossible to quantify the leap, but it's definitely a step up, you know. I mean, coordinator, their vision is just getting it right week in, week out um, with the vision, just coming up with the proper, you know, game plan strategy um, for each matchup that they're facing. Whereas head coach, it's you both have to be have that short term and long term vision, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, we've brought up vision. God knows how many times so far on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's a major keyword here. All right. Well, before we move on to talking a little bit about the coordinators, why don't you go ahead and give me your grade for the Matt Eberflus hire? Yeah, I guess I'll go with a B. Um, you know, I, I think it's a fairly strong hire. Um, it, it's no A plus. I'm not blown away. Um, but I think the Bears certainly could have done worse. And I think going into it, um, I, I was not completely sold on really many of the candidates outside of some of the top tier ones that we knew might not be attainable. I mean, of course, Flores is still out there, um, but it just didn't seem like that was quite going to work out. We knew that Harbaugh wasn't going to work out. So you kind of have to temper your expectations. And I think when all of that's going to when all that is settled, you know, I, I think it's a solid B. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to I actually thought you would have a lower score than me. I think I'm going to do probably B minus. Really only because of that, uh, only because of that, uh, he's not offense. Sorry. We have a little bit of breaking news. We have a little bit of breaking news. So I, I got a little bit distracted here. Bears special team coordinator, Chris Tabor is leaving to join the Carolina Panthers who are signing him to a three-year contract. Oh, we lost a great one today, huh? <laughs> yeah, that that is sad, but here's the bright side Bears fans. Brad Biggs comes out three minutes ago with Chris Tabor headed to the Panthers. The bears are believed to be zeroing in on rich, but how do you say his name? Basechia, the Ra- the Raiders intern right Basec- now. I think it's Basechia. I think Basechia. Yeah. Rich Basechia as their next special teams coordinator. Okay. That's good too. You know, I, I would have rather kept Tabor cause he obviously did a great job here, but rich Basechia is a, is another great name. I don't so. think Tabor's special teams like never really ranked super well though. Did they? I mean, you have to think. I mean, we've had uh all pro I, I think we had an all pro returner in each of his three years with us. Or three out of four years. Because we had Cohen, Cohen, uh oh actually, no, all four years. Cohen, Cordell Patterson twice, and then this year it was uh uh what's his name? Who we traded for from the Dolphins? Uh Jakeem Grant. Yeah, Jakeem Grant. So, I mean, that's good. But I mean, okay. It's special teams. You know what? I think, you know, as a Bears fan, just growing up with Hester, I guess my my distorted view of how good special teams can be, <laughs> right? I guess. Yeah, certainly. But, okay. I mean, that's a – if we get Basecki, I think that's a net even, especially for, uh, especially for, you know, special teams, which are important. It, Don't it, get me as, wrong. As but. long as it's not the Green Bay coordinator. <laughs> Yeah, Bears are zeroing in on Green Bay coordinator. <laughs> Top pick, leader in the clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> Special request by Bill Polian. Yeah, no. right. uh, Who's um, apparently mad that Ryan yeah, that we, Ryan Poles made the decision all himself. So, all right, all right, Bill Polian. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. You did. Forever. You did your part. Take the check and go. Go back. Seriously. Oh my God. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into some other coordinator news, man. Now, we need two coordinators. We're going to need a defense coordinator, and then we're going to need an offense coordinator. 
and now a special leave the, teams coordinator. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, now we need a special teams coordinator. Not prepared for that one, but let's go ahead. Let's start uh, with the lesser of the two interesting ones, defense coordinator. Obviously, this is going to be Ibrahim show, uh, but why don't you give me a couple names that you think uh, could be targeted? Yeah, I'll, I'll rattle some off here. I think uh, Larry Foote, who actually um, he's traveled with Bruce Arians. He, he kind of retired with the Cardinals and then um, he became an outside linebackers coach and has retained the same position um, with the Buccaneers. And when you think about it, as far as outside linebackers go, um, I, I think that it, it makes a good bit of sense, especially with the um, what they've been able to do in Tampa Bay with that defense. It's been quite remarkable. And uh, someone with you know playing experience and now uh, you know quite a few uh, you know few years of coaching experience may be ready to make that jump. Um, I will say too, I mean it, it's really tough for Eberflus because we just don't know all the connections that he has. I mean he has connections. He's worked on on different teams um, in his in his career, so he certainly knows some people. But it's not someone where it's not a Dan Quinn where we know that he can just bring out the the mm-hmm. huge staff names. But I also think. Uh, in division, Jerry Gray, Green Bay secondary coach. You want to talk about a unit that has taken a good step up over the past couple of years, um, and, and he's kind of been the guy behind that. Um, you want to think about, especially the improvement with Jair Alexander uh, and and kind of what he's been able to become over the past couple of years. And then uh, Chris Richards, Saints defensive backs coach. Uh, also, I mean, that one's pretty self-explanatory too. It's just kind of track how how well the unit has developed. And, uh, you know, I think the Saints are a group that has consistently held uh, pretty good cornerback and safety play. Um, and, and something, too, when you think about, you know, who they'd be working with, Jalen Johnson, um, as well as Eddie mm-hmm. Jackson. And, uh, you know, also, too, uh, why am I blanking on his name? The younger guy, the Oregon uh, corner that they draft. Thomas Graham? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, you know, even... I think he's a name where you have to think about the development and, and how far they can project. So I think it's uh it'll be interesting to see, you know, where it ends up. Cause honestly, I, I mean, not to say <laughs> that none of these guys could be it, but almost with as little background knowledge as I know about Eberflus's connections, it, it could very well be none of these guys as well. Certainly. And I, I think we, we kind of, skipped over it because we talked about pre-podcast but uh, a lot of people are talking about how Iberflus runs a 4-3 the Bears for the past what now like eight years have been running a 3-4 very very developed in that 3-4 scheme Um, and uh, I think that while it is going to be somewhat important and judged that the coordinator has 4-3 experience so many coordinators run hybrid fronts or the and they're nickel so often that it's like it, it doesn't you you're really barely in your base defense so i don't know how much stock he's gonna put into it um but yeah it certainly is gonna be a point of concern uh here's my first i want to say that i i think there is a chance sean desai actually stays uh i don't think decided uh i think desai actually did a pretty decent job uh he used a lot of four-man fronts if you remember throughout the games he used a ton of four-man fronts actually um and desai has worked in both uh he's he's worked in both a four three and three four so he has experience in both of those uh different fronts so i don't think it'd be necessarily a bad idea especially with how much people really like him in the clubhouse we saw a clear step up i feel like in defense this year compared to last year even though our most definitely uh our, our roster was worse 
than over the past two years. So uh, that's certainly a benefit there. You know, another name I want to throw out there, um, or one name that's been, I guess, I'm not really throwing out there. This has been rumored if, is Dave Borgonzi, who's the uh, Colts linebackers coach. Uh, someone that's obviously under Iberflus. He might just want to bring in one of his guys that he knows and trusts uh, to run his unit. And then uh, another guy that I think is worth mentioning, if he doesn't get another head coaching job, uh, Brian Flores. Uh, he he's I'm sure he's going to want to stick around in football. Um, I think that the Bears could be a decent job for him if he wants to, uh, you know, he I mean, he's certainly going to if he I promise you Flores is going to be back as a coordinator somewhere in some regard. So uh, I don't think it'd be a bad idea. Yeah, I didn't even really think about the Flores, which I, I think could be an option. And I was tempted to put Sean Desai's name down on my list. I'm not going to lie because um, I think it works. And I think a good you know, a good point you have to bring up, and it's not always this black and white, but you look at um, the production under uh, Pagano, uh, Chuck mm-hmm. Pagano, and the production under Sean Desai for Robert Quinn. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, are you doing yourself a disservice if you take away um, the guy that, you know, helped propel him in that defense? I think that's something yeah. you have to legitimately think about. So um, Great point. I, I think he'll at least be a part of the equation, I would think. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, defense coordinator, I don't think is – I think if I'm wanting the Bears to screw up, one of the hires is definitely defense coordinator over offensive coordinator uh, just because it's – I feel like – No, screw that are, up, please. Yeah, I love having yeah. a <laughs> terrible offense. <laughs> yeah, I love watching the Bears be terrible on offense every week. Um, but in all seriousness, though, the offensive coordinator is – so important for this hire and this is where this hire can go from a b b minus for me all the way up to an a is if you get the right guy at offense coordinator this could be a very good team i truthfully believe um that being said i kind of wonder who's going to be involved in this offense coordinator search i have a feeling that ryan poles is going to be strongly uh interacting with these offense coordinator candidates that's a good chance. I, I yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't put it past that. Um, you're right. I mean, this the offensive coordinator vacancy is one that needs to be nailed, um, and it it's just it's super important, especially it's just kind of coming into the second year because we do need to see um, some real development from Justin Fields, but there also needs to be that patience as well. It's going to be his second um, playbook that he's going to be learning. So, you know, there's got to be a little bit of patience, compromise on each side. Uh, But I do think, yeah, I mean, they need to make the best possible hire that they can. I think there's some interesting names out there. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm poaching one of your guys, but I know there's always been the talk. And he wasn't someone I had on my list, but Mike McDaniels always had a lot of a lot of hype around him. He's someone that always gets post up in the in the Twitter or the replies and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think right now the only rumored potential candidate is Kevin Petula, who's the offensive coordinator right now for the Eagles um, as a potential option there because he has some history with Eberflus. Uh, However, I think there, it's not necessarily – I don't know how much Eberflus is going to put into like being around certain guys. Um, more so, I think he's probably just going to pick the best guy for the job considering he's a defensive head coach. Um so, yeah, let's start off. I know there's also rumors that he might be going from the Shanahan tree. That's one thing that was mentioned. I was like, okay, good. A modern offense, uh, pretty good. That's not too bad of an option there. Um, 
That being said, uh, I think that Mike McDaniels, uh, he could be a really good guy. The only thing that scares me a little bit is he doesn't have play calling. I don't doubt his offensive mind. Uh, he's also in the running for some head coaching jobs right now. Uh, but yeah, I'd be happy with Mike McDaniels. But why don't you go ahead and start off with your candidates? Yeah, well, I have to I have to take down the the seriousness. You know, what if they just follow the, you know the Bills lead? They go and get the Alabama offensive coordinator, and they go and get Sarkeesian. Oh my God! <laughs> well, well, he's at Texas now. Oh, that's so right. Thank God. My, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Who is the Alabama <laughs> offensive coordinator now? I feel like it's also someone hilarious. Oh, dude, it's it's uh oh my God. I don't know why I'm blanking on it. Oh, it's Bill O'Brien. That's right. It's yeah. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine they oh, get that's Lane hilarious. Kiffin. I, not that Kiffin oh. would even leave. <laughs> leave. Oh, that'd be fucking funny. But um, oh I actually, you know, while I brought up all, uh, you know, college football coordinators, I, all of my candidates were actually all working in the NFL, and that would be Ken Dorsey, um, the Bills passing game coordinator. I think that there's a lot of people um, that like what they saw from Brian Dabble's offense and. Um, I, I think a lot of the evolution that, that the Bills had was just how they are throwing the ball. As much credit as Andy uh, Reid is given or, or Biennemi, um in Kansas City with kind of the, the innovative way that they do offense. I think, you know, especially in this past playoff game, we saw just how lethal the Bills' offense can be, and especially in their first playoff game as well against the Patriots. Um, Pep Hamilton, name that's been thrown around. Um, I think it just lends hand-in-hand with the whole quarterback development thing. Um <laughs> Former employee of the Bears, not even really someone that I really stand behind or really want to see, but I think that's someone that the name is going to be thrown around uh, 100%. And one that I thought was interesting, kind of even going back to what we were talking about a little bit with the ground and pound, um, you know, not that that's 100%, you know, going to be the mentality of, of the offenses under E. Refluce. I mean, that. We'll we'll have to see how it plays out, but I think Thomas Brown, assistant head coach and uh, Rams running back uh, coach, I think that he's someone that has done good things um, with the Rams as far as their running game, and then also had um, I think dating back to 2015, he started out with Georgia and had uh, runs with multiple other college football teams um, that had you know they are known for their good running games. So I, I think that. He might be kind of a, a sneaky choice, um, or at least a name that I haven't heard tossed around myself that I think could possibly get an interview. Yeah. I mean, I would more so I, – I honestly don't know his um, knowledge of offensive scheme. More so I'd pr- probably look for a guy that's more – uh, through the quarterback's ranks, given that we, I want someone to develop Justin Fields. He's got but. the best scheme, I promise. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, one guy that really impressed me that I don't know why more people aren't talking about, Clint Kubiak of the Vikings, Gary Kubiak's son. Um, sure, the Vikings weren't great this year, but he did a hell of a job with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is putting up some numbers, man. <laughs> and they have good wide receivers that are getting open. The offensive line isn't that great, and they managed to pass protect. It's a good scheme. I he experienced play caller. He's kind of one of those guys where you're like, if you want a really safe option, I don't I think that'd be a good potential. We talked about him as a, maybe a head coach candidate this year. They got good wide receivers in there, and they're getting open. <laughs> yeah, they're know? getting open. <laughs> But no, I, I see what you mean. I, I think that he's someone that could be a very legitimate candidate. I think we even talked about him um, a ways back um, for even possibly like head coach, right? A Did little. you not hear what I just said a minute ago? 
I mean, oh, I guess it I literally just said that recently, <laughs> literally five seconds ago. <laughs> yes. Glad to see you listen. I, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> I was thinking, but I was actually really just teeing up that joke. I was just, as soon as you said, good receipt, like, oh yeah. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as you started talking about, you know, good receivers and they're getting open, I was like, well, I mean, they're good receivers and they're getting open. Like, can you believe it? But, well, unlike Allen Robinson, who's apparently a good receiver that doesn't get open. <laughs> he's a great route runner. You know, he's yeah, he's a great route runner. runner. And, and, oh. uh, he's a top, but, as Zach said, you know, he's a top five receiver. Yeah. <laughs> good uh, point. Good point. Yeah. Allen Robinson didn't do Zach any favors with that take. Not this year. Not this yeah. year at all. But yes, yes. Clint Kubiak, head coaching candidate. Uh, or at least we said, I think it'd be a, a good safe option, man. Like he he's the one that stands out to me. Or if we hired him, I'd be like, I feel good about the offense. I feel good about the offense. Um, he literally kind of took the role he'd be taking with the Bears last year, and the Vikings had a half decent offense. Yeah, yeah. Simply put, I mean, I, I I hate Kirk Cousins. Well, hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins' game. And uh, the fact, like you said, he puts up numbers, um, you know, numbers so big you can put them on an Excel sheet and and, and mark up the rest of your day. But, uh, Seriously? yeah, it, it's uh, honestly, I, I think that he would do a good job. And, you know, I, I think that's important, too, also to bring in people that, that also know what success looks like, especially at a position like the wide receiver position where, you know, the Bears – have had some success. I mean, Darnell Mooney is looking very promising and Allen Robinson had some good seasons, but I think it's certainly an area where they can still, still need work and someone that knows how to work with that talent. It's always an asset to have that around. So, yeah, the Vikings had the 12th, uh, the 12th technically total offensive rank, uh, via NFL total offense, regular season stats in 2021. So, you know, I, Listen, he comes from a good tree. Obviously, his dad's really well known for offense, um, but I think that it might not be a bad idea. Uh, another guy that's been kind of flo- uh, floated out there is Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator. Um, obviously, he doesn't play call there. There's a lot of focus on potentially getting a guy from a successful scheme that doesn't play call. While that could certainly work out very well, it could also be terrible. Um, you just, it's so hard to know how that play calling aspect is going to be. So while, you know, Clint Kubiak may be that safe choice, maybe someone like Kevin O'Connell or or again, Mike McDaniels uh, would be a good choice there. And with offensive coordinators, it's tough folks, unless like you're picking up someone that's been fired, it's really tough to get a team to do like a lateral move, you know, like not many people are going to leave to be an offensive coordinator in one scheme to just go in another. So it's like, it's tough to well, get people to have like play calling, you know? The Well, the reason why they, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly. The great point. Cause I was going to say, yeah, the play, the giving them the ability to play call kind of helps them with their head coaching resumes, which is why a lot of people choose that kind of like what happened when Matt LaFleur left the Rams as their offensive coordinator to go be the Titans offensive coordinator uh, before he ended up getting the green Bay uh, head coaching job. Um, the only concern there is that if that does happen and it is successful, it will definitely be a one and done type of deal um, where they will have one year with us and probably leave. But really the key to this, that I think is so not understood is having a good pipeline. Like you can't just have 
that good offensive coordinator. You need to also have that good quarterbacks coach that's ready to take the reins once that happens. Kind of like what the Titans have been doing now that we have a defensive head coach. I mean, the Titans just keep internally promoting, and they're doing great on all... I mean, this year Tannehill kind of took a step back, but still, good offense overall. Um, And, you know, that's kind of, I think, what the best way that things can play out. Uh, Dan Quinn had that option because once the... once. Shanahan left to LaFleur was the quarterback's coach could have internally promoted him. I uh, ended up going with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, funny that name <laughs> got brought up again. Uh, <laughs> USC's finest, I should say. Um, but anyways, he, it, he, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, it's funny. Cause I was thinking about Bill O'Brien again. And, yeah. And I was thinking, do you think he would go from being the Alabama offensive coordinator to taking an NFL offensive coordinator role? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think. I mean, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean that's the only way he's gonna, in my opinion. Well, no, I'm saying, what do you think of him for the Bears? Oh no, (laughs) (laughs) he did great things with Deshaun Watson, man. Not supposed to use that word on here. We we have a clean podcast. Uh, This podcast is G rated. Yeah, where was Bill O'Brien before he was the Texans head coach again? He's at Penn State head coach. Oh, oh my God! Before That's James so Franklin, man. I completely forgot about that. That's so funny. You remember um, uh, it was Christian Hackenberg? I think he coached yeah. him up. Christian, oh Christian Hackenberg, <laughs> the famous like weird. What was he? A second round pick that like <laughs> once the I think it was the Jets that yeah, drafted the him. Jets. They're like they're like he can't touch the field. <laughs> like he never. Like I remember like there were for some reason the Jets like were so injured and they're like Christian Hackenberg is not playing. <laughs> they're like we'll run the wildcat before we before we put that man behind the center. Yeah. Seriously, it kind of reminds me a little bit of twelve gauge Cardell Jones, oh, man. drafted by the Bills and then went to the Chargers. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Fourth round draft pick. I remember he was supposed to be a first round pick the year he won the national championship. Yeah, oh man, man I will always love that guy. Hopefully he can be on the podcast eventually. Yeah. Um, but my final candidate, uh I think it's worth mentioning, Joe Brady. I know he got fired no, this year, not. but you don't think so? Dude. No way. Joe Brady? Dude, he's cooled off so much this year. You don't think that'd be worth a try. I mean, <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I got. I guess it might be worth a try. <laughs> you he know, has for the same like a, agent a year. You know, like a one year, like you know, sampler. But like, I don't know. He, he is the same agent as Matt Matt Eberflus. Dude, there's too many Matts now. There's Matt Patricia in the NFC North. Matt Lafleur. Matt Nagy. Yeah. Matt Eberflus. Jesus. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I, it's just that offense was so terrible, you know. And, yeah, but I guess the first year it was good. But well, yeah, it was good the first year, but th- this past year of Panthers football is so pathetic. I don't know if anyone like that was a part of that <laughs> should be coaching this year. But that being said, Sam Darnold is god awful. Well, Sam, apparently, exactly. But you know, I don't know. I guess that's a good point. I mean, when you're working with Sam Darnold and Cam Newton, who was not even playing for a while and was clearly declining. I guess that's not really too much to work with, but they did have Christian McCaffrey and which more mm. is it DJ more? Yeah. DJ more. Yeah. So that's yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But I mean, 
the unfortunate thing is there's not a good like they're really it's hard to kind of tell with these guys you know especially these guys are going to be first time play callers um you just never really know but we got this needs to be hit out of the park you know like this this needs to be such a great hire that we never look back yeah we don't know how they're gonna do it but hopefully they do it right you know (laughs) yeah seriously that's why i'm hoping ryan poles has some say in it um just to kind of, I, I think that could be a part of the part of the plan. Man, this Rich Basaccia, uh rumors are just swirling everywhere. Um, People but, love some good special teams here in Chicago. You know, they get hey, they get he, riled up over a Robbie Gold field goal. You know, <laughs> getting fired up over anything these days. Yeah, that's kind of the state of the Bears franchise nowadays. <laughs> but I I think that we're in good hands moving forward. I'm excited to see this next season and. Uh, Hoping for the best, man. Yeah, I really am too. You know, 2022, uh, you know, hopefully some good things come out of this year. Um, you know, you know what? One last thing here, real quick, real quick, before we wrap this up. Got one more thing to say, you know. There's been a lot of talk about championships, you know, which I know ultimately there, I mean, that's the end goal. But man, they've really been loving, like, you talk about, you know, throwing the ultimate expectation. Like, I know no one's saying they're going to win the championship this next year, but, you know, I guess it's it's not inspiring if they're not talking about championships, but I think it's it's awfully presumptuous to <laughs> to think that this team is in the shape to to win a championship. You know. Yeah, but honestly, I I like that if I'm being honest, because I want them to set a championship standard. Like they're they're really, I think that's the biggest thing is we've had a culture of mediocrity in this Bears organization forever. Let's start with a division championship, huh? <laughs> That's a good point. That's <laughs> a very good point. We'll get back there, you know? Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, if it's not this year's offensive coordinator, it's not Joe Brady on the, the little one-year sampler run, if that doesn't work out, you know, maybe next year. 2023, that could always be the year, too. <laughs> <laughs> next year, the famous quotes from Bears fans. But all right, man. I, I think that... Uh, our fans are tired of hearing from us after this, like the third podcast in the past five days or something like that. Um, anything else to say before we go? No, that's all I got to say. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And bear down. Bear down. Go. Go.